Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome back to Sandals Church. Listen, generosity is the heartbeat of real faith. It's not only the response to life, but it's evidence that there's really life in our faith. But God sees generosity very differently than you and I do. You know, several years ago, I was speaking at a church and afterward, a woman came up to me and she had something in her hand and she came up to Rebecca and I and she said, I want to give this to you guys as a gift for your ministry. And she opened her hand and it was this huge ring. And I immediately said, you know, oh no, I, I can't take that. And uh, we, you know, we have a team of people that support us financially and all this stuff. And she looked at me and she said, no, I, God told me to give this to you. That's when I realized she wasn't really asking me, like I was going home with this ring. And so, you know, a month or so later, I still had it and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm kind of thinking it's probably like fake anyway. And, you know, I, I didn't want to know how much it was worth. But finally, I took it to an appraiser, you know, that I knew. And, I, you know, you're driving there. Last week, I told a story about someone who gave a wedding ring. And if you remember, it was $17,000. So I'm, I'm kind of driving, you know, to pick this ring back up. And I'm thinking, well, man, it was kind of heavy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, got, you know, Rebecca could use a newer vehicle. And I'm like, no, 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 it's plastic, it's plastic, you know. And then you start bargaining and you're like, Jesus, I will tithe, okay? Like, I will tithe. And uh, so I walk in and this guy's got it on a tray and it looks shinier than I remember. And so I walk in, he looks at me smiling. He's like, it's worth 60. And I was like, $60,000? He goes, no, it's worth 60. You owe me $14.99 for the appraisal. It was $75 for the appraisal. I'm like, I lost money. You know, like I get back into my car. I'm like, God, I ain't tithing, okay, Jesus? I'm not tithing on that. I don't even know how to tithe when you lose money on it. Uh, it's like a bad luck Brian meme, you know, in real life. And so I'm driving home and I'm sulking. I'm like, come on, God, you know, it's not funny. And so God starts talking to me. He's like, well, let me ask you, like, do you think that ring had value to that woman? And I remember her emotion. I'm like, man, yeah, it seemed like it had value to her. And God's like, maybe it wasn't so much about you receiving, but maybe it's more about her obeying and giving. And then God's like, you waited on earth, but I waited in heaven and we got a different scale up here, right? <laughs> and we're in this series uh, and we call it giving up because I want you to remember that all giving is really giving to God. It's worship to God. And, but God sees generosity much differently than you and I do. God is a better appraiser of gifts than you and I are. See, our world says, you know, that big generosity comes in big packages. But God says, man, even a small gift with faith can be an incredible gift, a generous gift. And sometimes the big gifts that we think are generous are actually the fake ones, and they're actually sin. We're going to look at a story today where everybody in the story is giving generously and, and giving big gifts, at least. But for some, it's a test of their faith where they're trusting God. It's the beginning of the church in the New Testament and, and their faith is being tested and they're having to give with everything that they got to meet the needs of each other. But we see another couple that gives another large gift, but their gift is fake. And at the end of the story, they've lost their life. So you might wanna pay attention today uh, because integrity in giving is a life or death 
thing to God. We're in the book of Acts chapter four. And it says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. If nothing belongs to me, whose is it? It's all God's. This was the mentality of the early church at the beginning. Nothing that belonged to them was their own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And listen to this, there was not a needy person among them. For as many who were owners of lands or houses were selling them to meet needs. Now we know not everybody sold their home because later we find people meeting in house churches. So this is voluntary. People are giving because they want to, but they're giving big ways. They brought the proceeds of what they sold and listen to this, they would lay it at the apostles' feet. There's an image here I want you to see that shows up several times in this story that they're giving to God. This is an act of worship when they lay it at the apostles' feet to do whatever they want to with it and they distribute it to each person as they have need. You know, the idea behind generosity to begin with here is this, is that everything is from God to begin with. All is from God to begin with. All starts with God. And spoiler alert, it all ends with God too. Um, you know, we used to do this several years ago when our kids were younger. Uh, we wanted them to learn to be generous. And the problem is they're broke, right? They ain't got no money. And so it kind of had to start with us. And so especially at Christmas time, we would uh, make cookies and put together a little bag with a you know, Bible verse or a note. Uh, and we would buy like these five $10 McDonald's gift cards. And we would go drive around downtown in our city looking for people experiencing homelessness so we could kind of love on them and give them like a blessing. And our kids would like jump out of the van, dude. They loved it. They jump out of the van, run. We were like, hey, don't be scary. You know, they were running up, yelling about Jesus, at, you know, people. It's like, don't be scary. But they, they would love and they would run and they'd give out these gift cards, you know. And we would do it for a few hours. And eventually like we'd run out. You know, and your kids are like, man, let's, let's keep doing it, dad. Like, let's go buy some more. And I'm like, no, nah, man, we're done. And then I remember my son's like, well, dad, why, why don't you be generous? You know, your kids ever turn stuff around on you? <laughs> like, hey, dad, why don't you be generous? And you know, little brother's always like, yeah, dad, you be generous. You know, <laughs> dad, when are, when are you gonna give? Yeah, dad, you're stingy, you know? Uh, the Bible says, give to the poor. Yeah, dad, you're going to hell. You know, like, so I pull the van over, I'm like, Wait a minute, like, you know, I gave first, right? Let's talk about this. I own the van that we're in right now, you know? Like I pay for the gas that we're driving around in. I pay for the house that we live in so we don't have to be, you know, sleeping on the street. Like I started, all, in fact, I buy the gift cards and the whole idea was mine, right? <laughs> like I gave first so that you could have the experience of being generous. Yeah. And see, man, that's what God says to us. God gives first so that we can experience generosity. The first thing I want you to, to know, the first principle is this, is that my giving and my receiving, it's all vertical. It's all from God. You know, this has really changed my life, is seeing that all receiving is vertical, it's from God, and all giving is really worship back to God. Matthew 10 says this, freely you have received, freely give. It's all vertical from God. James 1:17 Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights but it has a purpose to it 2 Corinthians 9 says this He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing 
and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now listen, it doesn't get any more clear than this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce what? Thanksgiving back to God. Ultimately, it's worship back to God. And this ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing in thanks back to God. And I've seen it, guys. In our church, I've seen God use generosity to meet the needs of others, and it's not a coincidence. You know, one family came to our church, and they had a vehicle that they no longer needed, a pretty nice like SUV, but the, you know, the trade-in's a joke, right? So they said, man, we'd rather this go to serve our church. We have missionaries that come home all the time that need vehicles to drive for a little bit, and there's always needs of people in ministry. So they brought this vehicle to the church, not knowing that two days before that, one of the guys that I disciple in my Bible study, a guy that does a ton of ministry at our church, young guy, he, his car had gotten totaled. And you know, this car, man, he's saved for this car. This kid does so much maintenance in our church. Like he's served his whole life in our church and he saved up for this car and it was a $1,200 car, okay? And it looked like a $1,200 car, <laughs> you know? It got broken into one time and somebody stole the skateboard out of his car because I know what happened. They looked and they, they saw the skateboard and they saw the car and said, we're, we're going skateboard, all right? <laughs> but man, he needed something for ministry and all the stuff he's doing. And listen, you think that's a coincidence? Like when they showed up and found out who it was gonna to go to, they're like, we used to be in small group with him. We love that guy. And you know, that my friend got to get a car, but that family got a miracle. You know, when you manage God's stuff, you get to see God's miracles all around you. Now, when David was build, building the temple, people were coming to give and he was recognizing them and everything is from God. And when we give, it's worship back to God. But he's saying it's also a test of our heart, right? Generosity is the heartbeat of real faith. And look what David says as they're bringing things. He says, who are we? Who am I? And what are my people that we should be able to thus offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own we have given to you. Don't you wish your kids would say that at Christmas time? Isn't it crazy? You give your kids money for Christmas presents that they end up buying for you. Like that's crazy, right? <laughs> Don't you wish your kids would be like, dad, what are we that we should be able to offer thus willingly to you? <laughs> Mom, all things come from you, right? And of your own, we have only given to you, you know. Our Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. It's all your own. And now here's this, but I know, oh God, that you test the heart. God gives to us so that we can have the experience and the test of our generosity and our faith. And you test the heart and you have pleasure in uprightness of heart. And so David says, in the uprightness of my heart. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about being real. That's why I love the vision of our church to be real because generosity has to do with what's going on in our heart. I have freely offered these things now I have seen your people who are present here. They freely offered joyously to you. Receiving is vertical and giving is vertical. And listen, when you give to Sandals Church, that's your test. Let me tell you something. When Pastor Matt decides what to do with that, just like the church decides what to do with that, that's his, that's his test, right? He's the steward of that. You're, the God, God holds you accountable for the giving, not the stewardship. When you give, you release it to God and you release it to the church. 
giving inspires more giving, always. So the next person we see in this is a guy named Barnabas. Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, it's his nickname, means son of encouragement. He's a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sells a field too that belonged to him and he brings the money and he lays it, here's again, he lays it at the apostles' feet. It's worship. People are giving these incredible gifts. Now, when people give like this, some, I, I understand the world doesn't understand this. They think that's weird. Are they being manipulated? Are they being brainwashed? You know, they don't get it. We, we have a good friend of ours in the church, generous givers. You know, when they started their business here locally, they decided, man, we're gonna give, we're gonna trust God and give big. And they were giving, you know, above their tie. They were giving. In fact, it's kind of a vulnerable time in their business to be giving that big. And they gave so big that the IRS said, man, that's sus. Like, we're, we're voting on you. That, that's a little weird. And so they got audited, which, you know, you don't want to get audited at the beginning of your business. That's like David and Goliath, you know. And so the IRS comes back. They're doing this full audit. And my friend and his wife, they're just like, man, we're, we're trusting God, though. Got, they're praying, just like, I hope they don't find a mistake. That would be, that'd be bad for us. They email back, the IRS found a mistake. They're like, oh no. So they meet with the IRS guy Monday. They come in and the IRS guy's like, we found a mistake. And my friend goes, well, how, you know, how much do we owe you? And, and the IRS guy goes, oh no, we, we made the mistake. We actually owe you guys more money back on your refund. Right? I love that story. <laughs> David and Goliath. Goliath always falls. Yeah. But you can't outgive God. Listen, this is the next thing you need to know that the person who is most blessed by my giving is me. Acts 20, Paul reminds us what Jesus said. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus it is more blessed to give than to receive. We get the reward, we get the test, and our faith grows when we do it. Now, God is a better appraiser than you and me. And when he sees a big gift, he sees past it to the heart. When we flip to the next chapter, chapter five, we see a couple that gives, but their heart is false about it. Their name's Ananias and Sapphira. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira came and they sold a piece of property too. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of it for himself, some of the proceeds, and he brought only part of it. And there it is. He laid at the apostles' feet. Everything he did on the outside looked the same. You with me? He lays it at the apostles' feet. But Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? See, there's something different going on in his heart than what he's pretending on the outside. And somehow Peter knows, because why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? See, the giving wasn't to Peter or the church. The giving was to God. Why did you keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And, and it's almost like he's like, why'd you do this? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? In other words, nobody's pressuring you to do this. It's like, bruh, like, bruh, why, what are you doing? So my kids would say, while it remained unsold, it was yours. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Nobody's throwing out percentages. Nobody's got numbers. What are you doing? And he says, why have you contrived this deed in your heart to lie? You have not lied to man because he's not giving to man. He says, you've lied to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon the church. And people, other guys picked him up, took him out, buried him. Three hours later in this story, his wife comes because God treats all of us individually. 
they ask her the same questions. Did you sell it for this much? She lies to them as well, and she ends up dead. They're not real, and now they're not alive. You with me? There's no mention of numbers in this story. One of the things I love is no percentages. It just, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And that might sound harsh, you know, but, but listen, God has warned his people about giving with integrity. The last book in the Old Testament is a, is a harsh warning about how we give. It's the book of Malachi. And this is what Malachi says to, to Israel. When you offer blind animals, remember that was their offering, that was their tithe. But when you offer your blind animals, isn't that evil? They're not worth as much. And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? He says, present that to your governor. You know, it's almost sarcastic. Will he accept or show you favor? You know, that's like your jelly of the month club. Take that to your governor. See, <laughs> see what he wants with that. No, you wouldn't do that. Oh, and listen to this. I, you need to hear this. Some of you guys that don't understand giving in the church. God says, oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors. Shut the doors to the temple. I will not accept that kind of offering. Listen, the church is not a philanthropy that like is desperate for your money. God has no problem saying no to your giving if it's not done with the right heart. He says no. Sandals will say no. God says no because it's about our heart. I, in fact, when I look through the whole Bible, I want to give you kind of a survey really quick because most of us, you don't know your Bible. You don't know what the God's word says about generosity. So I want to give you six principles about biblical generosity. The first one is this, that it's not fake. Proverbs 25 says this, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift that he doesn't give. That's Ananias. He's boasting that he's giving all and he's only giving part. Uh, every time there's an election, what happens? No more taxes, right? There's always all these promises. No more taxes. And what happens? Taxes. <laughs> Number two, it's not compelled. Just like they were not compelled. Second Corinthians says this, each one must give as he's decided where? In his heart, in her heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I've been to some of the other churches. We, I was at a church with my friend one time in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Guts Church. Imagine if Dog the Bounty Hunter like started a church. They all wear leather. It's like rock and roll. And there came time for like a love offering, right? After the, the band. And, and the guy comes out and he's like, everybody pull out your wallet, your chain wallet, because it was the 90s. Everybody pull out your chain wallet. And man, if there's a five and a 20, I want you to give the 20, you know? <laughs> and I, I remember I gave a dollar because I want to be a cheerful giver. And then I ran out the back, okay? <laughs> so not compelled. The other thing is it's not sporadic, you know? Your heartbeat is not sporadic. You don't give one big heartbeat at the end of the year, you know, if you made it. <laughs> First Corinthians 16 says this. On the first day, of every week. I want you to listen to this because most of you don't give regularly. On the first day of every week, each of you should put something aside, store it up as he may prosper so that there be no collecting when I come. Listen, godly giving is regular. Week after week, month after month, maybe for you. It's individual. As you may prosper, it might scale up or down based on your income. We've done that. But it's on the first first of the week, maybe for you, it's the first of the month. For 30 years, I, I, I have tithed at the beginning of my month. When I get my paycheck, whenever I, whenever I get 
money. I've tithed first and then trusted God for the rest. And can I tell you, man, he's taken care of me. For three decades, he's met my needs. I've seen it, and I've learned to trust him because of it. Number four, it's not transactional. I got words about this one, all right? <laughs> because we live in a culture that says, man, when I give, I get some influence. Or I give so I get some like political, you know, insider power, or that they're going to listen to me. I've had people come to me and be like, man, I'm one of the bigger givers, right? Like they should do this or that because I'm one of the bigger givers at this church. If you catch yourself saying that, first of all, you need some more self-forgetfulness in your life. But if you catch yourself saying that, do you know there's a character in the Bible for you? And it's Simon the sorcerer. Acts chapter eight. Yeah, somebody said, oh, they know where this is going. <laughs> when Simon saw that the spirit was given by the laying on of hands, he offered them money and said, give me this power. Listen, your giving is not transactional. And Peter looks at him and says, hey, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain this gift of God with money. It's a warning that your giving is not transactional. Uh, another thing that I've realized is giving should not be painless. You know, I have people come to me all the time and ask, what should I give? Like very generous people in our church, by the way, you won't know who they are. And, and but they ask, you know, what, am I, are we giving the right amount? And usually what I say to them is, man, I think you should give until it hurts a little bit. You know, you should give until maybe you have to give up something in your life. Give up one subscription. Uh, most of you don't know this story. David, God called David to build an altar, but he called him to build it on somebody else's land. So he had to go get buy this land from uh, this guy. But the guy's response was like, you're the king, man. I'll, we'll just give it to you. Like, it's for the Lord. I'll give you the land. And David said, no. And this is what he said. But the king said to Aruna, no, but I will buy it from you for a price because I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. And he said, so I will buy the threshing floor from you for 50 shekels of silver. Listen, if you're just given to meet your tax write-off and kind of zero out your, your budget, I say, man, it needs to cost something. Now, most of all, it should not be robbing God. If God has given to us and we're keeping, God calls that robbing God. Back to Malachi. Will man rob God, it asks. Yet God says, you are robbing me. And we say, well, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. That's the regular giving. That's what he's talking about. That's the context of this. The tithes and contributions. And he says, you're cursed with a curse because you're robbing me. The whole nation of you. God gives to us, but it has a purpose to it. That we don't need a short circuit. It's not ours to keep. You know, when I drop my kids off, you know, you guys probably drop your kids off for Sandals Kids, and we all have the same fear, right? Is that your kids, you're like, please don't punch anybody, you know? <laughs> please, the words that we say at home, don't say the, the words you've heard dad say, maybe some of you in the car <laughs> way here, don't say those words, you know? And you're just a little nervous, get them out there. Uh, our kids are awesome, though. One of my sons, you know, every once in a while they're a bing bong and they do something, and my son, 
you know, he's like, if you go into the two-year-olds, he's the king of bubbles, man. He's blowing bubbles. They love him. When he was serving with kids his age, they had these little plastic slinkies they'd give away as rewards to kids. And so he loved, he was like the Oprah of slinkies, man, you know, giving out slinkies to his friends, all the kids, you know, every week. And I started noticing those slinkies around our house, you know, uh, but we would bring like our cousins slinkies, you know, Oprah, the, oh, the slinky fairy, you know, and but I started noticing a lot of slinkies around the home and somewhere in there, the, the give to keep ratio got a little off. One week, the, the one of the work, poor workers back there, she found him with 13 slinkies in his pockets, you know, and he kind of got a little lost in it. Like his heart was right, but he went from like Oprah of slinkies to slinky Robin Hood, where he's like, you know, stealing from the rich, give it to the poor. And so he got in trouble, you know, and it was a little embarrassing. And we sat him down. He's like, but dad, I, I'm not stealing from people right? It's just the church. I'm like, but it's people who give, you know, like you just tithe last week. Like that's your tithe. Our tithe goes to buy. You're stealing from God. Like, yeah, you're not stealing from people. You're stealing from God, right? And I thought, man, you know, God gives to us. And then when I keep 90%, I'm like, I'm the one stuffing my pockets. Like when God gives to us, there's a purpose behind it to be a blessing. Like maybe I'm the one, maybe. And here's a question I want you to ask. Number three, what if we stopped asking God what I should give and we started asking God what's right for me to keep? If God has given all to us, Maybe we should start asking, what's the appropriate amount I need to live on? Listen, God's done amazing stuff when people start to do that. And God not only challenges us, not just to hoard what he gives us, but he actually challenges us to test him in our giving. The very next verse in Malachi says this, bring the full tithe. Okay, bring the full tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Therefore, put me to the test. This is the only time in the Bible God says, test me. You can test me on this and see if I will open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Listen, one pastor put it like this, that most of us live, you know, and save and then give. In other words, we kind of live, you know, buy all our stuff, spend all our money. Then we try to save a little bit. And then we're like, oh man, what, you know, is there anything left to give? And that's why it's so hard for us to give when really the Bible calls us to do the opposite. Like giving first, the first of the week, first of the month, what that really calls us to do is trust God and test God because it says, man, I give, then I save, and then I live, but I learn that God will be there. Month after month, year after year, God says, I will pour out and I will meet your need. God invites me to test him through giving, regular giving, faithful giving. Proverbs 11, this is all through the Bible. One gives freely and grows richer. Another withholds what he should give and suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. These are promises. And whoever waters will himself be watered. Have you ever put God to the test like that? You know, I want you to imagine coming to church one weekend and instead of an invitation for you to come give to the church, there was an invitation for you to come receive as you had need. Did you know that happened at Sandals Church? Even before we had a campus, Pastor Matt said, you know what? I want us to test God 
as a church in the area of giving by giving back to people who have needs. And so they did this on a weekend and Bogenwright, Crowley, like some of our pastors that were there told me the story that they're like, this feels crazy, okay? This is risky. This is at a time when we're trying to save to, to get a campus, right? But God's gonna, God's gonna bless it, you know? And they trusted our pastor. And so they're, they're standing there, you know, Sandals went and took out like thousands of dollars in cash, which I'm sure this, all the CPAs in the room are sweating right now. And so, you know, Dan Crowley's standing up there, they're standing up there with an envelope full of cash, not knowing what's gonna happen. Like, is this gonna run out? Like in the first service, you know, I got two kids. If I started handing out cash, we wouldn't make it to the second kit, okay? <laughs> so they're like, I don't know how this is gonna, this might be embarrassing, but we're gonna trust God, right? God promised I'll pour out blessings. So someone comes up, they start, can I have $100? for my electric bill, here you go. Mate, can I have $50 for food? Yep, here you go. Can I have $150 to, for a dentist? Yeah, here you go. And then something happened. Crowley said, man, like the fourth, fifth guy came up and he said, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. I, I don't need anything, I want, I want to give toward it and hands him cash. And so Crowley's like, man, I, I had to make a second pile. So I had two piles going. <laughs> and so somebody comes up, can I have $100 for this? Man, here you go. And then somebody else, you know, giving inspires giving, always. Somebody's like, I wanna give toward what you're doing. This is awesome. Second pile. And so that happened, listen, at every service that weekend, even though nobody knew what was gonna happen, people received, but people came and gave. And at the end of that day, they had met all the needs of people that came forward. And when they collected up the cash, there was more than they took out at the bank. Yeah, so all the CPAs just coded blue right now. They coded blue. Because God provided. Listen, when we manage God's stuff, we get to see God's miracles. And for some of us, the reason in your life you've never seen the impossible is you've never broken anchor from what's possible and tested God and see it done. Will you test God? In this area of giving, my prayer for you is that you would say, man, I'm gonna start a new habit. I'm gonna give regularly. I'm going to give joyfully. I'm going to give so that it hurts a little bit, but I'm going to test God by giving first and I'm going to watch him provide. That's my prayer that you begin to do that. And listen, you need to test God because eventually life's going to test you. And when life tests you, so there's some problems that money can't solve. You need to see that God is going to take care of you month after month year after year, so that your faith has life to it, so that you can make it through and see God pour out blessings for you. Can we pray that together? Let's pray. God, maybe some of the reason we're so anxious about tomorrow is we've never given in a way that we needed you tomorrow. And, so, and we've short-circuited this faith-building process of giving first and giving regularly so that we see you provide for us month after month, year after year. God, all is from you. You own everything, but you've given to us so that we get the faith-building experience of being generous toward others. We get to be the Oprah of your money in the world, and we get to see your miracles all around us. God, would you help us test you so that we can see that even in times of uncertainty, God, you pour out blessing just as you've promised in your word, you will meet every need. Would you do this in our lives, in our church, in our homes? 
and may it bring thanksgiving and glory back to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.